0: Thank you so much for joining us. We are live from the green couch here at BCP. We decided to dive into the world of podcasts to kind of see and let all of our listeners understand kind of different things about the agency, things that we run into, just common common things that happen and just kind of keeping it casual. So be sure to subscribe and tune in and sign up for our newsletter. You can be in all the know of what's happening with our podcast. And to start off, we would have no one else but the one, the only, Jeff Ballone. Makes
1: all kinds of sense. So I'm probably paying for this, right?
0: <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so basically it's paid for at this right. point.
1: Thanks for, for having me.
0: And then also joining us today is Kathleen Ferland, our copywriter and digital specialist. Hello. And let's see, so we're kind of talking, we wanted to dive into the basics of great communication, the importance of good communication, and are you the pro at this?
1: I don't know if I'm the pro. (laughs) I've I've, uh, absorbed a lot of information Mm -hmm. through the years. I don't know if that makes me a pro or not. I do get paid for it, so I guess professionally, yes. So, I mean, it's a a topic, obviously, that we have to deal with every day. We are a communications firm, and... uh, Communications on the corporate level, on the one-on-one level, on the in the context of a campaign, is pretty much paramount to everything that we do.
2: Um, can you break down the different levels of communication that we're talking about?
1: Well, I mean, I think that um, th- there's corporate communications where your your uh, Um, you know, centered around a a certain commitment and, uh, you know, all of your communications sort of based around that. Then there's the the communications that we deal with quite often, which is the communications in the context of an actual campaign, trying to create messaging around a product, messaging around a service, messaging around an organization to try to um, get people to influence people or help them understand would hopefully be an even more admirable goal. And then there's you know the individual communication, which is just as important because uh, all of those 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 top two tiers that I've talked about really they all come down to individual one-on-one or group communications. It's it's really vital.
0: And that it, individual communications not only within our own agency, when the companies that we're working with and probably personal life too, you know, Right, kind of works together.
1: Uh, I, I spent a number of years working with a business coach, and uh, so I have to give attribution right now to uh, many of the skills that I learned, uh, and it is, a, good communication is a learned skill set. It's natural to some people in terms of the methods that they communicate, but really good, solid communication is a skill set that you learn and that you acquire. Uh, that you should, everybody should strive to have. And uh, that gentleman was a guy named Barry Demp, who's a uh, foremost business coach and communication coach out of the Detroit area, who I worked with for many years. And Barry is nothing short of genius. Uh, and as is, as a matter of fact, much of communication and the tenant surrounding communication is really, it's genius, but it's basic, you know. And that's almost what makes it so genius. So, and one of the things that Barry talked about all the time is that to have, to have really good communication, it has to be centered around a shared commitment. There's two th- aspects of that, really. One is that you have to have this thing that you guys are all committed to. So that gives you permission, then, to have hard conversations. And, uh, you know, a hard conversation might be, uh, you know, I know that you said this, but We're committed to moving in this direction, and what you're saying, I don't believe, is consistent with moving in that direction. That's a hard conversation to have with people, not, you know, uh, uh, you know, not conversations that are off topic, like I don't like your haircut, or you know, or I don't like the way that you look at me when we're having meetings. Sorry, sorry, right? (laughs) And um, uh, so the, the shared commitment sort of creates a framework for having the good conversations, the proper conversations. The other thing, is, it, another aspect of that is giving people permission to have hard conversations. A lot of organizations don't do that, and I know that it sounds silly that when you, that you have to verbalize something like that, but, uh, you know, where, where your communication goes is where the organization goes, and so sometimes you have, to, you have to verbalize, you have to communicate things that you would think are basic tenets again. And, and sitting people around and uh, table and saying to them, and I actually have done this before to, to people that work here with me, and especially in the beginning, it, to say, look, I know it's uncomfortable, but you have the right, I'm giving you permission to have that hard conversation with me to say that, hey, I'm being a logjam on this particular project, and we're committed to moving work through fast and in a timely manner and hitting deadlines, and you are being a logjam and you're prohibiting that from happening. And uh, that's an okay conversation to have as are others in and around that sort of shared commitment.
2: On that level of interpersonal communications, what do you think are the main, are the main breakdowns that cause um, interpersonal conflict um, in an office?
1: So uh, there are a couple of different, three actually different reasons that, I, uh, that are sort of uh, universal that cause upsets. And uh, one is undelivered communications. So we have not, uh, um, you know, we have not communicated properly. You've gone off in a direction that you had to make up on your own because I didn't deliver the, the proper communications to you. I didn't give you proper directions. Um, the other would be unfulfilled expectations. Um, I gave you an assignment. Uh, I thought you were going to have it done by Thursday. And, uh, and we worked, you came back to me on Monday and said you've got it done. And I said, well, I was expecting this on Thursday. Well, that's a nice thought, but if I haven't communicated that to you, then that's completely unreasonable. So uh, unfulfilled expectations. And in the bigger, broader scale, um, you can talk about that in the context of a campaign, right? So we're doing this big campaign. Let's say we're doing a digital campaign, and we we haven't really spoken of what we want to achieve and we haven't communicated properly or gotten on the same page with the client as to, okay, well, what do we want this campaign to achieve? What is actually reasonable to achieve? And if we haven't done that, then at the end, it's just a free-for-all as to whether or not we've been successful, right? And one person's view of success may be totally different than another's. And so that's when you get these scenarios where agency people are sitting across the table saying, hey, I think we did what we were supposed to do, keywords I think. I think we did what we were supposed to. I mean, we did this, and we, this many people were interacting with this, and then the other side of the table, they're saying, yeah, but we didn't move any product, or, uh, "Well, yeah, but we never saw this, or we never saw that result. If you'd been on the same page early on, uh, you knew what those expectations were. You wouldn't have these unfulfilled expectations. And the last thing is thwarted intentions. Um, you know, people uh, sometimes are taken off course, by a lack of communication or just, you know, by things that happen. And um, and when people are, when when intentions are thwarted, uh, you have upsets. Um, I wanted to accomplish, I wanted to get it done by Thursday, but you put 15 other things on my desk between now and then, and we didn't communicate about those 15 other things. We didn't talk about any of those deadlines, you know. So those are the basics. Uh, the basics basic reasons for upsets, undelivered communications, unfulfilled expectations, and thwarted intentions. You can virtually trace any upset that you've had in your life to one of those three things.
2: And on any level. At any level,
1: at a corporate level, at an individual level, at home with your kids, absolutely.
2: Throughout your career, what have been your major philosophies to help you overcome these upsets at all those different levels?
1: Well, first off, the core of it all is the communication gap, which is a fallacy. There is no such thing as a communication gap. It doesn't exist. In the absence of communication, people will make crap up. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, there is no communication gap. Communication always exists. It's whether it's real or whether it's made up. So um, I think that that's really really the core of of uh, understanding the value of communications in moving forward, is understanding that um, communication will happen It there's a default mode in the communication arena and whether uh it's sort of like good pr you know they talk about i'm not a pr person but pr people talk about getting up front of an issue all the time it's the same concept you you know you really need to be out front of communication at all times you need to be in front of you need to be as gretzky used to say all the time the hockey player you need to skate to where the puck is going to be not to where it is and um that's kind of how communication is you need to be up front of it you need to be in advance
0: and you're right because if there's a break or a gap in that communication, somebody's going to fill in the gap with their own story and the next thing you know you have a PR nightmare or a miscommunication that's going to go haywire right away. Right.
1: Absolutely. And, and there are methods, There's there are some really cool tools out there for for uh, helping people to um, to communicate better, but really what it comes down to mostly is is um, giving people permission to have our conversations and coming up and understanding and coming to some agreement on that core commitment. It, it's, it's a difference between doing it with somebody and doing it to somebody, you know, which is why the, the, the commitment has to be understood and agreed upon by everybody. Now when you go through that process, I remember years ago when this organization went through this, that process, my business coach said not everybody's going to get on board, there are no guarantees That when you're in that stage and working out what your core commitment is, should be as an organization, everybody's going to agree with that. Some people may say, that's not a commitment that I share, and may have to move on. That's okay.
0: Mm -hmm. okay. I feel like if you are open to that, it creates a better atmosphere, a better workplace. Um, You feel more comfortable, I would say, in knowing that you don't have to hide your Feelings, your emotions, or something that you want to right. say, because everybody's going to be open to that f- positive or negative feedback.
1: I agree. I agree totally.
0: And that extends even beyond
2: the interpersonal relationships in the office, and up to relationships that you have with clients, and then you know even larger relationships that your business would have, um, you know, with the community. I don't know if you would agree with that.
1: Yes, I do. And on that individual, um, on that individual realm, and in in that level. Um, I think one of the things that people don't do that they should do more often is is actually being present to a conversation. If you watch people who are poor communicators, quite often uh, they've at some point in the stage abandoned the conversation and they're having another conversation in their head, right? So the conversation is going on and they're they're digesting a whole different set of information. They're thinking perhaps about the question that they want to ask next. And um, they're not engaged in the conversation, so some really good stuff can happen while you're tuned out. And um, so, being actually being present to the conversation is really, really important on an interpersonal level, on a one-on-one level, because or you know, at a group meeting level, it, it, because uh, staying tuned in to where that conversation is going. You know, meetings, for example, meetings have a um, meetings have a uh, what what's a tone if you will they sort of have um, have uh, take their own direction you know and uh, every meeting is different and you have to be really tuned into the meeting and that's why it, it's helpful sometimes to sit back and listen rather than being the guy that's al- already always talking like I am right now um, and to try and understand where the meeting is going what's happening and to kind of guide it into the um, into the direction that that it needs to go not that you want it to go but that it needs to go. That's why agendas are so important, right? Mm-hmm. And really, nobody should ever have a meeting without some sort of agreed upon agenda going It doesn't have to be on paper, but it can be, this is what I need to accomplish, this is what I'd like to accomplish, what would you like to accomplish, and then let's move forward, you know.
0: There's that one quote it just made me think of in that last conversation is just from Stephen Covey that most people do not listen with the intent to understand, but they listen with the intent
1: to reply.
0: So they're not fully hearing that conversation and to keep those ears open all the time. I
1: totally agree with that. And you can tell, you can, you can watch people in conversations and you can see when they've tuned out and they're no longer listening to you. And I've done that before. You know, I'd like to think a long time ago, but I, I, um, you know, my roots were as a reporter And so um, I would be interviewing people, and I would have to be thinking about what I was going to be asking next while at the same time trying to understand if I was going to have to um, play off of their answer or if I was going to have to come up with a new question. So as a reporter, you're sort of forced to have one foot into both of those worlds, one foot into, you know, being a good listener, and one foot into being uh, a little bit advanced in what you're going to be asking next. So
0: you feel like there's certain questions that get people back on track so if you notice that you're losing them in a conversation <laughs> is there a way to bring them back on
1: you know I don't think there's a technique to that I, I don't I mean I don't think there are certain questions that let me respond to that in a better way I don't think that there are there are trick questions that will bring people back on board I think that the, the way that you can do it and the way you should do it is by a- actually going back to what we just said by being present to the conversation and if if they're the client if they're going to take it in a different direction that's where you got to go mm-hmm. you know and if they feel that that's more important in the moment then that's more important in the moment you know so you
2: can't be having two different meetings
1: no and people are sometimes I mean people are disengaged for a lot of reasons sometimes they're thinking about stuff at home you know or sometimes they're thinking about it, it, and another mistake I think people make is about that agenda is trying uh, to guide the meeting, guide the conversation to places where they want it to go. There are definitely things that sometimes need to be accomplished in a meeting, but it can't be all where you want it to go. It's a conversation, so you're only part of it. So you have to be cognizant of that as well.
2: This is a slight aside for you. Um, So when you're talking about communications in the context of a campaign, were you talking about the interpersonal communications of those executing the campaign or the literal communication between the communicators and the
1: audience? Well, I think it's both. I think the latter is a result of the former. So if you have good interpersonal communications in in the formation of the campaign and what the campaign needs to accomplish and all that kind of stuff, then you're going to have a really good campaign or you're going to have a targeted campaign anyway, and it's going to accomplish what you want it to accomplish. But, um, you know, communication skills, I mean, wh- when we're putting messages out, it's definitely not a two-way conversation. It's, it's, uh, it's very one-way, but it's the result of a lot of really good two-way conversations.
0: I feel like in a traditional sense, that's correct. But in a digital world now, those sure. lead to definitely some two-way conversations, positive or negative. Right. That you have to be thinking of what's going to come next. Like, what are those answers that we might receive? And being on that kind of being on that part where you're ready for that next step of response. Right. That's
1: a really good. That's a really good catch. And the. Um, it's interesting because a lot of the interpersonal skills, I'm not sure how they apply to the digital world when the conversation is so um, stilted, if you will. I mean, it's you know, it's it's in little bits and pieces. You're not having like these really fluent conversations in the digital world all that often. You know, you're getting loaded comments sometimes, and but you're not you're not sitting across the table from somebody for sure. Um, but you know so i'm not sure how they apply I'm a, i know that they do i'm just not sure how they do
2: well i think that it really fits into what you were talking about earlier about just being present you know as a brand it's really important that when someone does speak back to you that you are present that you respond in a timely manner and that it feels authentic and that you that you give them the um, that you give them the that you give them the leeway to actually respond with their real feelings, take it into heart, and that um, and that they realize that you know you you do care about
0: what they think and, and you're listening, right? You know you're being a part of that conversation.
1: I think authentic is a great word in the use of communications. I think it's a it's a great word to use, and it's a it's a great skill to try to master. You know, it's funny that and somewhat ironic that we would have to try to be authentic, but. Um, but it's still something that people have to try to do, maybe more of a reminder than an effort.
2: What do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions about communications based on what we've talked about already?
1: Um, that if you can talk and, uh, and that if you have a good vocabulary, that you're a good communicator. You know, <laughs> I'm, seriously, I mean, um, it's, that's not how it works. That may mean that you can get a message across clearly, but that's about, what, 30% of communication? So I think that's probably the biggest misconception. And um, yeah, I, the other part of it is, too, that uh, people interrupt each other way too much, and what? we all do it. right? right. We, and, I mean, you can give, uh, we can grant a blanket permission to, hey, if I get off course, interrupt me, please, and that's all right. But again, it's part and parcel that if you're not present to a conversation and you all of a sudden jump in when that big thought that you want to make sure that everybody needs to know. Uh, jumps into your head and you step all over people and I've seen that happen and it's you, you can you can see the, the there are visual cues in, in the, the way people look and feel when they've been interrupted you know uh, no longer valued it, which is just a horrible horrible piece to, uh, to add to any puzzle of communication it's just n- not what you want to do I mean it's the exact opposite of how you want people to feel when you're communicating with them. Right.
2: You know. So if I, let's say uh, that I own my own advertising agency, communications firm, whatever, um, and, wow, there's a, just a clear breakdown in communication at all levels. Interpersonally in the office it's not good, and that's really extending into my client relationships and the output of my work. In your opinion, what are my building blocks? What are my first steps to helping resolve that issue?
1: Um, open and honest conversation about that. Uh, we have to come to some sort of, again, there's a um, there's a method out there called the pivot point, which is a problem-solving tool, and it's really basic, uh, but it's also really important. And the first thing on a pivot point that you do is, is you do a 360, right? You look around. You say, okay, here's our problem. We have this. We have that. In the context of what you're saying, the problem is, okay, you know, we're having communication breakdowns, and here's how that's showing up inside this company, here's what it's Here's how it's making people feel. Um, Here's what it's actually doing. It may be putting your job in jeopardy or it's putting clients in jeopardy or both. And so that's the 360, right? That's the current reality of what is going on and and its impact in our organization. And then the next step in a pivot uh, point is to say, all right, and here's what we're committed to. We're, We're a communications firm. We're committed to consistent and clear communications, for example. We're committed to um, sincere, honest, and genuine communications. We're c- committed to communications that uh, where everybody gets to contribute on an equal level and that move the organization and the campaigns and our clients forward. Whatever. You know, I'm making stuff up. But, you know, that, that's what we're committed to. And then you step back. You say, all right, we have a reality. We have a commitment. So out of that, we should be able to come up with a solution. And then you work on solutions together. Mm-hmm. These other aspects not interrupting, being present, um, all of that, those are just tools, kind of like digital is in the world of marketing. It's just another tool, you know. So the, the commitment and all of in, in that, that's the core. That's the key. That's like a client coming up and saying, this is our product, this is what's good about it, and this is what the, mar- this is what the marketplace likes about it. That's a great starting point. You know, in the world of communications, the commitment is, is the same thing. It's where you start from. So the, the rest of it is just tools, things that you bring that help, you know, that help guide people. And I, and I personally think that the most important tool of all of that is the one that we already t- talked about, which is the permission to have hard conversations. Because defensiveness is the killer in the world of communications. You know, and you see it every day. We see it every day where people get super defensive about stuff. And what does it do? I mean, it shuts everything down. Everything shuts down when people get defensive and on edge. But if you've given each other permission to have these hard conversations, it's still not going to be any easier. You know, you haven't solved that part of it. There's going to be discomfort, but that's life. Uh, However, you are going to move forward as an organization, as an individual, as a group, as a client, you know, agency relationship. Everything's going to move forward, you know, again, Provided they are targeted conversations.
2: All right, Jeff. What did I miss?
1: Uh, you didn't miss much. On
2: your, uh, Brilliant you communicator. Missed? Oh, thank you.
1: Uh, no, I, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I'm happy that that I was in on the ground floor.
0: <laughs> Thanks for buying all the equipment. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome.
1: You're welcome. I hey, think before you go, I should have this paid off in about thirty years, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: I didn't mean to interrupt you there. That was very poor communication. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Before you go, though, I do want to, we try to wrap up our podcast with some rapid fire questions.
1: All right. Do I have to give fast answers or can I give slow answers?
0: Uh, (laughs) Whatever you wish. All right. (laughs) The faster, the better. Rapid. Rapid. All right. Um, all right so the first one these won't get too personal but all if there's right. one that you don't like just holler all right so what nickname did your parents used to call you or maybe still call you
1: my nickname was Fedge, F-F-E-J because I was dyslexic when I was a kid Aww. so I would write my name down it was backwards and even now, I look at that I'm like what the hell is that I just swore in the podcast but it's yeah so my nickname was Fedge. yeah and my, fe- my brother still calls me that by the way he does yeah
0: I love it. That's, um, when I was little, I couldn't write daddy, so I would always write dabby. Because ah. <laughs> my D's and my D's D's. And D's. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> so it reminds me of that. Um, what place would you most want to travel to?
1: Uh, I want to go to Austria. I think Austria looks like possibly the most beautiful place on the face yeah. of the earth. That's, That's awesome. where I want to go.
2: Prance around the fountain. Yes, with
1: on right. Children. I wear those funny hats. Learn to yodel.
0: Later, hold on. <laughs> I need a picture of this yeah. this, this ever happened. Later, I wasn't right. I could do that. <laughs> um, question of the day is, how many cups of coffees do you drink in a day?
1: What, I drink about one cup of regular, uh, probably probably two cups. Yeah, and then I turn to iced tea. So I don't get off caffeine. I stay on caffeine the whole day. Very important. But
2: he'll heat up that one cup of coffee <laughs> four times. <Right>. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. I always see that microwave going. I'm <laughs> like, yeah different I don't like cold it?
1: coffee. I just don't.
0: <laughs> hey. And this is a little random, but what is your favorite dwarf out of the seven dwarfs?
1: Um, well, today, <laughs> Sneezy, because I think the allergies are kicking in. Okay, so yeah, yeah, let's go with that.
0: This is like a personality test question. It might be that
1: that is one of the only two that I remember, and that uh, the other one, Sleepy, was probably not the best answer. So <laughs> Yeah. Or grumpy. Grumpy. I was <laughs> that could be it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and then your last one. What's something you could eat for a week straight?
1: I really like eggs. I like. I know. I, okay. I know. I'm I'm kind of like the Forrest Gump when it comes to eggs. Always, he does the little dietary about all the ways to cook shrimp. You know, there's oh. quiche, there's scrambled, there's soft-boiled, there's, yeah, I like eggs.
0: Hard boiled over easy. Yeah. yeah, right. Eggs Benedict.
1: Eggs Benedict, yeah, although know. hollandaise is a little
0: That's like the easiest the thing you could eat. Right, it is. Day.
1: Yeah, maybe but, that might have something to do with it, yeah. That's of protein. I, th- I think, actually, I associate eggs with breakfast, and I don't get to eat breakfast during the week, I mean, not like a nice breakfast, so I think I associate them with the weekend and mm-hmm. all of that, so...
0: Awesome. Well, that was the end of our rapid fire questions. Thanks for hanging in there. i so bad. And thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Being a part of our podcast. Hopefully, we'll be having on me. here.
1: And I'll look forward to hearing this. I won't, actually, because I won't listen. I don't like hearing myself. So.
0: <laughs> if we have
1: to. I'll have look forward questions. to hearing about this.
2: Okay, but, so okay. we should blast it in the office? All right.
1: Yeah. yeah. Got it. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks.
0: Thanks so much for joining us live from the green couch. Be sure to tune in and subscribe not only to our newsletter, to all of our social media channels, and to our podcast to stay tuned for more information and on all the updates.